Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ridge Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out online at theridgechurch.net. Also, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening today. What does it mean to grow up? So when you think about growing up, what does it mean? If you've ever heard the phrase, you know, I want to kind of step back just a little bit and uh, kind of look at that for a moment. To grow up, right? Usually that means it's kind of a a term that people say when what? You're being immature. Like, it's time for you to, you know, just grow up. Like, it is somebody, it's usually a negative thing. Why? Because you want to bring people into maturity. And I remember I had an older stepsister who I would, I would make her laugh and I would do things. And then I remember her being like, just grow up. You know, it was that kind of thing. And that is really what it means. But when we look at grown up, even the term grown up, like to be a grown up, Like, think about that for just a second, and what does that look like? Because it's almost like there's a destination. Like, even when you ask a child, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's like you get to 18, and then it's like, okay, well, now I'm a grown-up, you know? And that's not how it is. Like, there's no destination. Like, I still feel like I'm 18. I look in the mirror, and I see gray hair, and I'm like, what? Like, what is going on? Because we are still growing, and we, and we continue that process of maturity. Um, a lot of times we separate ourselves by age, but remember, and I want you to remember this, is we all come from the same place. Like, each and every one of us was this big at one time. Like, do you think about that? Because a lot of times we classify ourselves, we look at ourselves in different ages, like as an adult or as a kid, and you kind of look at the kids and be like, okay, well, I can't relate to that. But I want you to step back and realize, well, you were that size. We were all that size. We all started from this, and now we all continue to grow. I was actually, when I was born, I was two months early, so I was a premature baby, a preemie. I was four pounds when I was, when I was born. I went down to two pounds. Can you even imagine, like, uh, like two pounds, and then I went, and then I eventually grew. I was in uh, an incubator for months, and then I continued to grow. But even that, think about preemie, like I was a preemie, premature. I wasn't mature. I was growing. I needed to grow so I could be healthy uh, when I was ready to be taken out of the hospital. You know, and as we continue to grow, we always look down. We can't help it. We look down on people that are younger. We just have like a kind of a different attitude. What do I mean by that? I mean, like, I went to camp, like, being in student ministry now for 12 years, you see the cycle of, like, as kids go to get older, like, the kids, when they are going into sixth grade, look at the kids that are in third grade and like, ugh, I cannot believe how immature they are. You know, and they think like that. And then you see kids, like we had our our camp group that went, that was the kids' camp up to sixth grade. So it's kids going into seventh grade. And like, they are like, oh, I'm just, this is too much. Like, I need to be with the older kids because I am so much more mature. Like, and I can relate to that and I can understand that because then what happens? You get to junior high and then you get to high school. And what happens? The high school is like, you know, I am just way too mature for the junior hires. And that's kind of the way it goes. But we, you know, foster a culture of discipleship with the students because we want to look how can we, I was once a kid, you know, every high schooler was once a junior hire and was in a kid. So you should be pouring into those kids and helping them to grow. Now, each of us, as we grow, goes through an awkward phase, correct? Now, I want you to stop and think about yourself right now. 
and remember your awkward phase because everybody, don't lie to me, every single person here had an awkward phase that you went through. And maybe you're still in that awkward phase. That's how kind of I feel sometimes. But just to show you, I got a picture of me and my wife to show you our awkward phases, and I love to show this. (laughs) My wife loves it when I show these pictures. And why do I show this? Because at that age, I was going into about second grade. The glasses, I had a friend tell me that he thought my eyes were actually crooked because the whole time growing up, my glasses were crooked, and he thought there was something wrong with my eyes in that way. And you can see my hair was cut by my parents, done very well. This was the awkward phase. We all grow into that. But as we look at that, so as I got into fourth and fifth grade, what happened? I got braces. Now, as I, and I went to camp with some kids, and they had Invisaligns with them. And I'm like, Invisaligns? Like, what is this? Like, it is invisible. Like, you don't even see it. No, I had, like, braces. Like, we're talking big metal braces. I had the headgear and everything. I, like, strapped on, and, like, I talked like this when I had it on. So when I was in fourth grade, I was like, you know, when I was in second grade, I was so uncool, you know, because that's the way you would think. In fourth grade, the second grade was uncool. But looking at that, you look back and you see that it's an awkward phase and we continue to grow. All of us go through the awkward phase. All of us continue to grow into maturity. That's what I want you to realize. All of us go through it, right? Now, when we talk about spiritually, we're the same in our faith life, right? We grow in our faith. We should always be growing in our faith. There is no destination. There's no, there's no place we get to a point and we're like, okay, well, I'm done. I don't need to grow anymore. I read through the Gospel of John and I'm finished. I am fully grown. No, that's not how we look at being a Christ follower or a Christian. We continue to grow as Christ followers. So I want you to think about that for just a second. Are you growing? Are you is it, are you at a place where you're continuing to grow, or are you at a place where you have stopped, and you're like, well, I'm, and maybe it's not on purpose, but you have stopped growing? Well, as a pastor and, and leadership here, we are, it is our job to help you to grow, and that is what the Scripture is about today. That is what we're going to be talking about. That is what Paul is addressing in the text today. So just to review a little bit, since we're continuing in Ephesians Uh, We have been in uh, our Summer in God's Word series. Now, this is going to be our last week. And I tell you what, it doesn't, you go to a football game, school starts, and all of a sudden it's like, it's not, it doesn't feel like summer. Well, technically it still is summer as we look at it. Our goal through this series was to what? Grow in God's Word as we went through this. And we had the opportunity to see many different speakers come and speak during that time. And it was just, it was a, it was just a blessing as we continued to grow together. Last week, Raleigh started uh, Ephesians 4, and we're going to continue in that today. Now, the book of Ephesians is my favorite book. I love it. There's so much contained in the book of Ephesians, right? In the beginning of the book of Ephesians, Raleigh kind of went through this. The first three chapters, really, Paul lays out identity in Christ and what that looks like. He is reminding them who they are in Christ, and he does that beautifully when he goes through that. Then after chapter 3, it's kind of like, okay, so this is your identity, so now how do you live? There is so much practical application in Ephesians and so much deep doctrine all together in one book. I just love it. I love it. So last week, Raleigh went through a list that kind of to remind us, you know, who God is and what he has done. 
And he said things like, he blesses us in Christ. He chooses us. He redeems us. He makes us alive in Christ. He gives us the free gift of grace that we do not deserve. Now, if you're here today and you are not a Christ follower and you're here visiting and, and maybe you're like, well, I don't know what that means. Well, as we look at the book of Ephesians, we see that God draws us like we don't deserve his grace. Why? Because all of us have fallen into, we are born into sin. Why? Because of Adam and Eve and the fall. Now, if we surrender to Christ, right, if he is Lord because he is the perfect sacrifice, he is the one who took on that wrath, as Raleigh talked about that wrath of God, we deserve. Christ took that on. Now, to surrender to him means that he is your Lord. So when we look at all this, Paul lays it out powerfully, and it should overwhelm you as a Christ follower. So when we get to Ephesians 4, it's, it's like, okay, so... So therefore, what do I do? So I just want to read Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. It says this. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. You know, we see that uh, he is calling them to what? Uh, calling to which you have been called with all humility, with gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. That is the idea that is going to carry on through the, the text today. The big idea last week was, as a member of God's church, we have responsibilities. And the next step as we closed was respond to God's incredible gift of grace with a loving response of obedience. Are you responding with obedience? So today, we're going to continue the thought of responding in obedience by what? By growing up. We're going to talk about growing up. So what is our big idea? Our big idea is this. As members of God's church, we are to grow in the body. As members of God's church, we are to grow in the body. So how do we grow in the body? So let's look at the text, and we're going to break this down today. So we're going to start in verses 7. Now, Raleigh actually covered verse 7 last week, but I want to start there because it kind of is a good transition verse as we go into uh, all the way through the text today. But So I'm going to read verses 7 through 10. So it says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He also descended, uh, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. All right, there's a lot there in that text, in 7 through 10. What I want you to take away and look at, though, is the word grace. Now, grace is connected to what? He's talking about something specific that is being given. Now, that grace is equal to what? Gifts. It is gifts. Now, these gifts that he is talking about is how we grow as a body. But first, I want you to remember where they came from, these gifts that we are given. So it says, he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to men. Now, that means people. That's not just men. That is men, uh, all hu humans is what he's saying, to people. So what is our point here? How do we grow in the body? We grow because of Christ. We grow because of Christ. 
I want you to remember this because when we talk about gifts and what that looks like, there's no room for boasting. Like, we don't boast about our gifts. Why? Because we didn't earn them. We didn't pick them out. The gifts came from him. So let's talk about gifts just a little bit. What does it mean to have a gift? Well, I want to go to Romans 12, 6, and 8. It says this, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. There's that same grace given to us, the same thought that there in Romans that he is writing. Let us use them, if prophecy, in proportion to our faith, if service, in our serving, the one who teaches, in his teaching, the one who exhorts, in his exhortation, the one who contributes, in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You see a list there that he gives of specific gifts and, and what, what you do with those gifts. Now, it is great news. If you are here and you're a Christ follower today, I want you to know you have a gift. Like every Christ follower has at least one gift, and how you use them, God wants you to plug into the body and what that looks like. But when we talk about gifts, it's always confusing. If you haven't studied spiritual gifts, or maybe you've heard of spiritual gifts, depending on what your background is, you may be like, okay, I really don't, what does that mean? I really don't know. What is a gift? So we're going to go through them just briefly, just to give you an idea. This is kind of a flyover of spiritual gifts to kind of get it in context to where we're going with the spiritual gifts that he is going to be talking about here. So first of all, there's miraculous gifts. Now, miraculous gifts means what? The idea comes about miracles, right? So miraculous gifts. Now, these are gifts given specifically to the apostles when the church was formed, all right? This was building the foundation of his church. Um, it's apostleship, tongues, interpretation, miracles, and healing. Um, now, when we look at those, those are called the miraculous gifts. Uh, number two is the enabling gifts, now, enabling gifts is all Christians can develop these gifts um, and help the other gifts. That's enabling, and the Holy Spirit works through these, and these are from 1 Corinthians, actually. So these gifts are faith, discernment, wisdom, and knowledge, okay? So those gifts, as Christians, we can all strive for. We can all grow in wisdom, right? We can all grow in knowledge, but these are referred to as spiritual gifts that we get, that we can grow in. So... Those are the enabling gifts. Now, number three, the way that this is broken down, I love the way um, the author that I went through, it's actually gotquestions.org. I highly recommend this website, gotquestions.org. They are, they are very sound in their doctrine, and they just, if you have any questions, just go and type it in, and it, and it brings up the answer. But breaking these down like this was very, very helpful. So the third one is called team gifts, team gifts. So what are these? This is kind of where we're leaning to and what we're talking about specifically. What, if you think of a team, what the body is like a team, right? So we have, and I'll just go through it and name these off, evangelism. Now, that's passionate about leading others to the saving knowledge of Christ, right? Prophecy, this is boldly and fearlessly pro proclaiming God's word now and God's truth. Now, just to tell you, the prophecy, a lot of times when you hear the word prophecy, what do you think of? You think of like Old Testament and um, people foretelling the future, right? That is a piece of it, of the prophecy in the Old Testament, and also the, uh, the, um, the prophets in the New Testament, when you look at when the church was formed, um, they had a, a higher authority in what they were doing because what? It was the foundation of the church. When we talk about prophecy or when you hear prophecy re referred to as a spiritual gift in our time, this basically boldly and fearlessly proclaiming God's truth. 
And I'll talk more about that as we get into the message. Uh, there is teaching that is making clear the truth of God's word with simplicity and helping people to understand it. There's exhortation, motivating others to action. There's shepherding, right? If we know what a shepherd is, it is what? It's like overseeing, training, feeding, coaching, leading, that kind of thing, shepherding. There's serving, uh, providing practical help both physically and spiritually to people. There is mercy, the gift of mercy, uh, identifying with and comforting those in need. And then there's giving, releasing material resources to further the work of the church, the, the gift of giving. And then there's administration. And this is organizing, administering, promoting, and leading. So these are kind of, that is like the team gifts when we talk about. So when you think of that and when you hear those, you might think, that is very interesting. I wonder where I fall in that or what, how God can develop me in that and what I can use, right? Oftentimes we get gifts confused with talents, and that's where I always was. I'm like, oh, well, my gift is what? Uh, drawing. I love, to, I love art, so my gift is drawing. Well, no, that's a talent that God has given me. God gives talents to believers and non-believers, but you can use talents for your gifts. So I, my, one of my gifts, I love to teach, right? So I can use art as a talent to help me teach. So that's kind of the difference between talents and gifts. Um, so 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 says this. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it, it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. But it is the same Lord. Now, what I want you to remember when we talk about these spiritual gifts, it is of the same Lord. And it is because of him that we have these gifts. Remember verse 8. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And verse 9 and 10 are the explanation. In the ESV, you see a parenthesis around this. It says, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Now, what is he doing here? Paul is addressing and saying, he's pointing to Christ, the greatness of who Christ is. He is reminding them who he is and what he has done in this short little couple verses here. He talks about his resurrection and his ascension, what, into heaven, and what he conquered and what he did. Now, this quote that he is taking is from Psalm 68, 18, which is this. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. Now, when we look at that, so Paul, we, we always know that Paul takes text in Scripture that they would know and what he uses it to make his point, and that is what he's doing here. He's using this psalm that was written, and he's talking about the gifts. Now, in this it says, and receiving gifts among men, but he obviously makes the points that he is the one who gives the gifts to us in the text that we are studying today. So if we look there in, the, in verses 9 and 10, it talks about descending into the lower region. So the the descended into the lower region, what does that refer to? That is really talking about his incarnation, all right? So that is talking about the vastness of who Christ is, that he came from the heavens down, and then what he did, he, was, he went to the cross, right? He was dead, buried, resurrected, and what? Then after that, he ascended. 
So he is above all things. It's really showing the contrast of the earth and the heavens in this and what they're talking about. So descended into the lower regions, and that's what it's talking about. Because it says, descended into the lower regions, the earth. John 3, 13 says this. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Making the point, what? That he, no one has ascended into heaven but only the Son of Man who descended first from heaven and then he went back to heaven. Like I said, it's a contrast of the highest heaven and the lowest regions of the earth. That he might, what? Fill all things. It is finished. He fulfilled his purpose and what he did. And that is what this, he is saying and he is summing up here. So he is supreme over heaven and earth, and there is nowhere that he is not under his control. We grow because of him. He gives us our gifts. So important, so important. So then Paul goes on to explain uh, how the gifts help us to grow, and he then mentions specific roles tied with these gifts as we grow as the body. So let's go on. Verses 11 through 13, and read this together. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Uh, So it says that God gives gifts, these specific ones he's talking here, to what? To equip the saints. That is the purpose. So who are the saints? That's you. That's me. As a Christ follower, we are the saints. And he's saying these gifts, these roles were given to what? Equip the saints. So as we look at these uh, positions here or these roles, I want to talk about each one of them just briefly so you can understand. A lot of times what we do is I kind of, when I read, I kind of go over these and I read these roles. I'm like, da, 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 da. apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teacher, like, okay, I, I get it and move on. But there's more to it because he's actually put these in a specific order in what he is saying and what it looks like. So we talk about the, first of all, the apostles. Now, an apostle is one who is sent with a commission. Now, when we talk about apostles and we talk about disciples, a lot of times we're like, whoop, whoop. You know, we, we flip those terms, right? But Christ had many disciples, but there was only, a, uh, you know, the 12 apostles, or when we looked at it, the original uh, apostles. Uh, now, uh, they are divinely appointed, and they're given witness of the resurrection. Now, this is what lays the foundation of the church, as the apostles, uh, they give authentication by what? By the miracles and the healing. These are the miraculous gifts that we're talking about. When you read about those in Acts and you see what happened and how the church was formed, God put those in motion on purpose to establish his church. So people will say, wow, what is going on here? Who are these guys and what are they doing? It gave them authentication, the apostles, all right? So then it goes on and says the apostles and then the prophets, now, we often think about this prediction of the future events. Now, not, this is not a primary role of a prophet. Uh, they proclaim the word of God. Um, now, remember, at this time, this was before the, right, this is where my brain is like, oh, yeah. This is before the Bible was completed. Like, the, the, they had their, um, the scriptures, like, as we refer to the Old Testament, but the New Testament was never formed at that time. They were in the process of putting it together. 
So when we look at that, the prophets had a role here um, where they proclaimed the word of God before the Bible and the New Testament was written. Um, today, we have God's word. That is our revelation that we have that he has given to us. And his revelation we have with the leading of what? The Holy Spirit has been given to us as we read through, his, uh, as through the Bible and through the text. So as we look at this, these apostles and prophets, as is it referred to here, were for a specific time and for a specific purpose. All right, next, the evangelists. Now, the bearers of the good news, traveling from place to place. We think of like an, uh, a missionary or probably one of the most famous ones that we think about is what? Like Billy Graham. You think about an evangelist and what that looks like. Now, at that time, if you think about it, so the apostles and the prophets, what? They built the foundation of the church, all right? They're the ones who put that in the place. And then the evangelists built on top of that as they spread the good news from place to place. Now, we look at the last ones, pastor-teacher. Now, it's broken and, pastor and teacher, but it's actually one. It's like hyphenated. So pastor and teacher is one role. Uh, now, if you look at a pastor-teacher, what does that mean? It's shepherding and teaching the local body. So the local church is what? We're, we're a flock of sheep. And if we look at the pastor-teacher, they must feed and lead the flock. That is the job. This is what is done by what? The word of God as we teach and go through this. So these roles were given why? Now, you look at these roles, and you see that they were laid out for a purpose, right? The apostles and prophets helped build, start the church. The evangelists build on it. And then the pastors and teachers, what? They're the ones who shepherd the local body and shepherd the church. Do you see how they all fit and work together? And they all have their roles. They all have their gifts in what he is saying. So what is their role? In verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So how do we grow in the body? The next thing we see here is we grow by being equipped. We grow by being equipped. God's word and the teaching of his word equips the saints for ministry. That is the reason we are here right now. So I want you to stop and think about that just for a second. As we are reading through the scripture and we're applying this and we're looking at the application, this is what we're doing, right? We're, my job is to teach and to go through the scripture, teach it so you understand it. And what am I doing? I'm equipping the saints. So what? It's for the work of ministry. Now that is so important because that doesn't mean that you're like, okay, that is great. I have learned today. Now I'm going home and doing nothing with this information I've been giving. No, it's to equip for the work of ministry. You are being equipped. So um, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, right? That's the word, equipped, for every good work, it is the work that we find in God's word, and you are being equipped to what? Carry out that work. As an overseer, I am to equip. That is my job. Until we attain what? Unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son to maturity, right? Grow up. 
If we have to get to maturity, that is what it means. We have to grow up, and we do not stop growing. So members grow by the word, and what? This is very important. Minister to each other. This is what we've been talking about, and this is what is so important. So who does the work of the ministry? A lot of times we think, oh, well, that's, that's the pastors and the leadership, and that's what, that's what we're supposed to do. But if you look at this, what is actually my role? My role is to equip. And then the saints are the ones who are to carry out the ministry. Man, what an idea there that he is giving us. We are to equip you. That is our role. And we are not called to be what? Passive consumers. And I think we look at like, the American church and who we've become and where we have gone and what do we do? We, we want to go to church and we want to find the right church where we can watch music and we can do this and we can sit back and we can hear a story and then we can, we can learn and then what? Then we go home and then we come back next week and then we learn again and then we go home. It is this passive consumer mentality that we should not be falling into. This is how we grow together. It is the ministry of uh, is the role of the saints to be equipped for ministry, to grow to maturity, to the measure and the stature and fullness of Christ. That is a high bar to, to, to raise there, that we are to strive to the stature and fullness of Christ. So I would ask you, are you passively consuming? Or are you growing and serving in the body? I would encourage you, to be part of the body and to be growing and serving. So we grow by what? Being equipped. We have to be equipped. To be a, any job that you do, you need to be equipped to do it. So as we are equipped, then we follow through with the job. So what will happen if we are equipped? So let's look at the next verse, verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Now, what will happen? Well, we'll be stable. We won't be what? Tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Now, what does that mean? What is it when it refers to like every wind of doctrine? That is false doctrine and human deceit. Like those are the things. If we are equipped in the knowledge of God's word, we won't be all over the place. We won't hear that and be like, oh, that's a good idea. You know what I heard on the radio that says this about God? I'm pulled over here. Oh, what did I hear over here? You know, I heard this on the radio. Now I'm pulled over here. That's not the same as that, but I'm over here. Okay, I believe that. And the, like, that's what we want to avoid. We, want, we do not want to be tossed to and fro. We want to be rooted in God's word and be well-equipped in correct doctrine. So how do we grow in the body? We grow by learning correct doctrine. We learn by, or we grow by learning correct doctrine. Now, this idea of children being immature and easily deceived is what he is talking about here. Now, we have seen where, uh, you know, we should have faith like a child, and I 100% agree with that because there's a belief there that, like, you know, I'm not going to worry about what anybody else thinks. This is what I believe, and I stand for it. But there's also this idea of being equipped that we need to be, right? I mean, when I was a kid, I believed that the moon was made of cheese. When I was a kid, I also believed gremlins were real. You know, it's like, okay, why not? Because I saw it in the movie, right? I believed if you ate watermelon seeds, what would happen? A watermelon would grow in my belly because that's what I was taught. Like, as a child, we are easily deceived into believing things. But when we are equipped, that is where we 
hold on to correct doctrine. Romans 16, 17, and 18 says this. Um, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. So things contrary to the doctrine that they have been taught. So it's false doctrine. He's saying avoid those people. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. So if you talk about the naive... And they're the ones who get their hearts deceived. How do you not be naive? It's by being equipped. We don't want to be naive. We need to be equipped. We don't want to be easily deceived. We want to grow by learning what? Correct doctrine. That should be our goal. All right. As we go on, verse 15 says this. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So this idea of speaking the truth in love. So instead of being tossed to and fro, we are what? To speak the truth in love. So what does that mean? What does it mean to speak the truth in love? It means to provide guidance with, and these are these words we'll come back to, with humility, with gentleness, and patience. This idea of how we get along together as the body and are we speaking truth in love, in love. So how do we grow in the body? We grow by speaking truth in love. We grow by speaking truth in love. And I would ask you, do you give truth in love? And how do you receive truth in love? Like that's like a two-way thing here. Like if we are to be a functioning body, we need to be able to give truth and love, and we need to be able to receive it when someone gives it to us. So we are to grow into what? Christ-likeness. Specifically here, it shows that he is the head and we are the body, right? That is the perfect illustration to realize who we are. We talk about being the body. Well, who is the head? And that is Jesus. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, going back to the beginning of Ephesians, and he put all these things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You see the theme that he started at the beginning of Ephesians, that he is the head. John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you that you, what? Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You know, what looks bad on the church? What looks bad on the church is division and arguing and fighting. What looks good on the church is loving one another well. And that is what he is saying here. And this is the point that he is making. So how do you speak truth? And how do you receive truth? You know, in biblical counseling, that is one thing that, as going through the training, like, that can be a hard thing, because you got to speak truth into people, and what does that mean? That means if somebody's doing something that is not, you know, it goes contrary to what the Bible says, you got to be like, okay, we got to talk about this. And a lot of times, what we, we don't want to talk about those things, because it's easier just to be like, well, we're not going to talk about this, because I don't like conflict, and I don't want to cause a problem, and I want this person to like me, right? All those things go through my head. But as we go into counseling, as we talk to people, and as we speak truth and love, it's got to be like, listen, I love you, 
and you're a Christ follower. Like, Christ has done this for you, but I, this is what I see. Now, tell me about that. You know, what does that look like, and why is that happening? You know, and then coming alongside them. You know, it's easy to point a finger to somebody, but coming alongside them and, like, helping them through this. Now, I was thinking about this this week, that if you are to speak truth to somebody in love, like, the biggest thing you have to have is a relationship with them. Like, that makes sense, right? If, you, if somebody comes up to you and says, and you don't know this person, they're like, well, this is what I noticed. You're acting this way. You're going to be like, what? Like, who are you? Like, why are you telling me? I don't even know you, right? That's like on the inside. That's what you'd be saying. But if you know somebody and you have a relationship with them, you're walking alongside when they're talking to them, you're asking them how they're doing, you know, and you have built that relationship, then you can speak truth. Be like, listen, I love you. I know where you've been. I've been there with you the whole time. This is what I see. Tell me about that. Let's talk about that. I love you. Like, truth in love. That is how we get along with each other. That is the key to growth in the body, speaking the truth in love. All right, Ephesians, let's go to the last verse we're going to be covering today. Ephesians 4, 16. It says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes uh, the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, I love this text here because what? It, it builds this perfect picture of like this, almost like this machine that is working together that is for a purpose that what? And then it builds itself up in love. So because Christ is the head, the whole body is being held together by Christ. But we must be working properly. That means we must know our gifts. That means we must be loving each other. That means we must be transparent. It means we, we have to be serving and working together. So how do we grow in the body? We grow by working together. We grow by working together. That's very important because a lot of times it will be this, well, I'm a Christian. I don't need anybody else. No, we grow by working together. It says, held together by every joint. This is the idea of being fitly framed together, right, as one body. All parts in proper position, in harmony, working together. Think of like a machine. Colossians 2.19 says this, And not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. This idea of the body, this perfect illustration that he gives over and over again. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 through 27. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are, are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Working together in unity. There may be no division in the body. Think about a car breaking down. Like, your car could be working perfectly. You're, like, cruising along. Yeah, it's doing great. All of a sudden, what? The fuel injector goes out. Like, the car, what? Stops. Like, that's it. It's not going anywhere. Like, 
I know that there's some pieces like if you've got a headlight that goes out, okay, the car is still going to run. But I want you to think about something like the fuel, fuel injector goes out, the, the car stops. Like it is not functioning properly because of that one piece. And you think about all of us. If you think about if you're here and you're part of the body of Christ, you'll be given a gift, you'll be given a purpose, and you are made uniquely to fit in the body as you, you are to work together as a purpose. All parts in proper position working together. It's the same as our bodies. If you think about my heart, like if my heart stopped beating, that's not good. Like my body's not going to keep functioning if the heart's not beating. All has to be working together. We grow by working together. If we're not working, there's no growth. There's no growth. All right. Now, as we have looked at this passage from Paul in the church of Ephesus, uh, he is telling them it is time to grow up. And I hope as we have gone through this that you have said, okay, I I can see that now, that I, I shouldn't be passive in what I'm doing. I need to be part of what's going on. So to grow up, we have seen what? We grow because of Christ. First of all, he gave us the gifts, right? Very important. He is the one who gave us the gifts, and we owe our growth because of him, right? That also makes sense because he is the head. The body can't function without the head. We grow by being equipped, and that is our main focus. That is our main focus when we meet here together is the equipping of the saints. We grow by learning correct doctrine. We must not be deceived in what we are doing. You know, in our day and age, it is easy, so easy to, I can't even imagine if I, when I was younger, like, if I could just, like, get on the internet and see whatever I want and, like, find the information and be like, whoa, what is this? And, like, it would be so easy to be deceived by, the, by false doctrine and what's out there. So we need to grow by learning correct doctrine and not be deceived, not, not to be tossed to and fro. Um, we grow by speaking truth in love and working together. And we grow by what? Working together. So what is our next step today? What is our next step as we look at this text? We need to grow together in the body. We need to grow together in the body. We must, there's no other way around it, grow together in the body. So what does this look like practically? So first, you have to be in the body, right? If you're here today and you're not in the body, then I would love to talk to you about that, what that means. You know, every single time we, we, we're equipping the saints, as we are up here talking, we're sharing from Scripture, we want to be clear about the gospel and what that means. And you have to come to a knowledge of the gospel, and you have to surrender your life to Christ to be part of the body. So first, you have to be in the body. Next, you have to be committed to grow. You can't stop. And I think that's where we all get. It's like, okay, I'm good. Well, now I'm in the body, so I'm good. I don't have to do any more growing. But all of us are growing. Like, some of us are babies, and some of us are awkward, are awkward selves, like teenagers, and some of us are older, and some of us have more knowledge. Like, but all of that works together. But we need to continue to continue to keep growing together as the body. So you have to be committed to grow in knowledge and with correct doctrine. And 
Even like I look at next week. This is our last week of this series. Next week we start a new series and we'll be jumping into a book together. And it's an opportunity for us to grow. I've been so thrilled when we have gone through books together and we get to the end of it. It's like, yeah, like we did that together. Like as we have grown through that book together and equipped the saints as we have gone through it. Um, so you must be committed to grow also in community. That means build relationships this isn't a solo thing that we do by ourselves. We do it as a community, and we do it together. Um, no more passive spectators. Um, we need to get into the game. We need to get into the game. Um, I, I heard this this week, and, I, and J.D. Greer, the pastor, has this great illustration that he talks about. That He talks about being a quarterback and with a game, like you need to get in the game. He said, and imagine this, if a quarterback came out and all the players came out, they huddled up, and they said, he said, listen, this is the plays we're going to do. You're going to go here. You're going to go here. And they're like, man, that is a great play. That is a great play. And then they all went back to the bench and sat down. Then he calls another play. All the players come back out, and the quarterback stands around. He says, okay, this is my next play. We're going to do this, 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 and this. And they're like, man, that is a great play. That gave me goosebumps. It was such a good play. Like, ah, that, man, I loved it. And then they go back and sit on the bench. Like, this idea, that's crazy to think about, right? Because they have to run the play. Like, this idea of equipping the saints is giving the play, and then the saints have to run the play, and they have to, uh, to grow in ministry. So no more passive spectators. Get into the game. I promise you will not be sorry. There is so much fulfillment in a life dedicated uh, to ministry and to, and to pursuing and being obedient to God. It, it brings you joy in what you are doing. I promise you. I promise you. So God has created you for a purpose, and you can use your gifts to what? Grow the body. And it is an honor and a blessing to be a part of this body and what God is doing here. So let's continue to be obedient to him in everything that we do, and let's make a commitment to grow together. So let's pray. Father, we just come before you today just thankful you are a perfect. Father, you are a sovereign God who's in control of everything. And Father, we come humbly before you today to thank you first for your plan, for giving us a purpose. And Father, for you for sending your son. Father, we know we don't deserve your grace and mercy. And Father, if there's someone here today who has, who has not um, surrendered their lives to you, Father, I pray that you have drawn them close today, and I pray that they will be ready to make that step. And Father, as believers here, as a, as a church body, we just ask that as we are obedient to you, Father, we want to be working together to grow the body. Father, there is so much uh, that we could be doing. And Father, first of all, we need to love each other well. We need to speak truth and love to each other. There's so much good practical advice that Paul has given us here in the text. And Father, we just want to follow through with it. So Father, I pray for each and every person here today. I pray for this church body. I pray that you continue to grow us and help us and lead us through the guidance of the Holy Spirit and wisdom as we seek to continue to grow in knowledge. As uh, Father, I pray for the leadership here as, as we equip the saints. And I just pray for the saints that they would... Um, continue to build their work in ministry. So, Father, what an honor it is just to be able to come before you. Father, especially when we come to Scripture like this and we see that this is what you want us to be doing, is equipping the saints and learning from your word. So, Father, we just want to be obedient to you. 
So we want to give you all the praise. So we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you have questions about this message or about the Ridge Church, you can contact us at info at theridgechurch.net. Have a blessed day.